you would please turn with me to Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Sometimes when, uh, when you're trying to get to know somebody or even sometimes when you're just bored, I know we do this a lot in the army when you're just sitting around trying to think of things to do. Um, there's a game that we would play, and that they've actually made a card game of this, but Chelsea doesn't like this card game. Uh, we we'd bought it, and we would play it, and I asked her the other day what happened to it, and she said, I don't think it made the move. So, But it's this game uh, you've probably played before. Would you rather? Okay. And so it gives you two options, and you're supposed to choose between one or the other option. So we're going to play a little game this morning, and I need you to participate with me by uh, uh, showing your hand. Uh, And I'll give you a couple of options. I want you to tell me which you would prefer. Okay, so would you prefer to vacation on the beach or in the mountains? Raise your hand if you want beach. Raise your hand if you want mountains. Wow, we got a lot of mountain people in here. All right. Would you rather have more time or more money? Raise your hand if you say, I want more time. Raise your hand if you want more money. I figured this would be the case, but let me tell you what I just saw. All the people who are above a certain age wanted more time. And all the ones that were below that age wanted more money. Okay, what about, would you rather lose your hearing or your sight? Your hearing or your sight. Who who would rather lose your hearing? What's the deal? Same group of people. You've already lost your hearing. What about the sight? Who would rather lose their sight? Nobody wants to lose their sight. Interesting. Okay. Well, would you rather receive first the good news, or would you rather receive the bad news first? Who wants to receive good news first? Okay, not not near as many hands on that one. What about who wants to receive bad news first? Who would rather not receive bad news at all? Okay. (laughs) Well, I've got some good news for you this morning. I also have some bad news, uh, but... We have this option before us in the book of Psalm chapter 1 of these two paths that the the psalmist is writing. You have to choose one or the other. Okay, so I'm going to ask if you would, let's just begin by jumping into Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 as we look at these two different options. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 says this, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Now before we continue, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that we would seek to understand the passage that you have given us this morning. Lord God, that we would walk away knowing where we stand and where we would rather stand. Lord God, that you would guide us in our decisions, that we would make the ones that are holy, the ones that are wise, the ones that are godly, the ones that are righteous. Lord God, be with us this morning. Fill me with your spirit. 
Fill your people with your spirit. Minister to us in an amazing way that can only be understood through the ministry of your word and of your spirit. And it's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so the psalmist presents us two options. Right? The first option that he presents to us is the path of righteousness. The path of righteousness. Okay, so he says, first of all, we have to begin, if you're going to be righteous, if you're going to do righteous things, be a righteous man or a righteous woman, you have to begin by rejecting something. Okay? So my version says, how happy is the man? Yours may say, how blessed is the man? I actually like that translation better of how blessed is the man or the woman who does what? Well, it says he does not follow the advice of the wicked, okay? Who does not take the path of sinners or walk in the path of sinners and who does not join the group of mockers? Your version may say that he sits down in the seat of the scoffers, okay? So, Whenever I go to somebody's house and I knock on the door, there's a, a system in place, right? You knock on the door, and you stand at the door, and you may talk to somebody, and they never invite you in. So you just you stood there, and then you walked away having done your business. Or you may go in and knock on the door and say, hey, is so-and-so home? And, and they invite you to come in. And so you now walk door, and now you're in their house, you're fellowshipping with them. But how do you know when you're really joining them? Well, it's when you walk in the door and you sit down on the couch, maybe even kick your boots off, right? That's when you know that you have become one of them. Well, the psalmist writes that if you want to be a blessed man, you have to reject, first of all, the belief of the wicked. You have to reject the belief of the wicked. He says, how blessed or happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked. Who are you listening to? What, what are you allowing to infiltrate your mind? Right? He says, don't follow the advice of those who aren't following God. For those who are following God, we, it's good to seek out wise counsel. It's, seek, it's good to go to some older, more spiritually mature men or women. Uh, seek out some people from our church to go and, and to deal with life together. Ask questions. How do I deal with this situation? But should we go out to somebody who's living a life of unrighteousness and say, hey, this is the, the, off, the, the, the situation that I'm dealing with. How would you deal with it? Right? Because what answer are they going to give you? Not the biblical answer. That's for sure. They're going to give you based on their experience. But if you go to someone who is righteous, they're going to tell you, they're going to counsel you, ideally, in the word. And the word will, that, that righteousness will overflow to you. So, first of all, we want to reject the belief of the wicked. They, they tell you what they believe based on their experience rather than on the truth of God's word. Second of all, you have to reject the behavior of sinners. You, you can hear what someone tells you, but it's not until they have that you have taken that and placed that 
advice and action that you began to behave like people who are not righteous, right? The, the wicked or the, the, the sinners. We don't want to behave like a sinner as a righteous person. You want to behave like a righteous person, like a saint, right? And how, so how do you do that? Well, we're going to look at that more in just a moment. But first, you have to reject the world's ways. Right? You have to look and see, this is the way the world acts, and I don't want a part of that. So reject the behavior of sinners. And then he says, Blessed is the man who does not join in the group of mockers, who does not sit in the seat of scorners. Now, what are they scorning? What are they mocking? Well, they're mocking God. They're mocking and scoffing at God and his law. And when you have come to the point that you not only believe what they've said, but you've put what the, the, the unrighteous world has said to do into action, and you become part of the world. That God has called us, Christ has called us to not be of the world, to be in the world, but not of it, so that we can live fully righteous lives before people. And so we want to reject belonging to the mockers. We don't want to make this progression, right, from following them, believing what they say, behaving like the world, and then becoming part of the world itself. But instead, what is... The psalmist tell us to do. Look at verse 2. Instead, his delight, the righteous man's delight, is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. So what do you take pleasure in? The path of the righteous not only details a rejection of the world and its ways and its rejection of the Lord's way, but instead it delights, it finds pleasure you want to be a righteous person, you have to find your pleasure where? In the word of the Lord. Delight in the word. If you've ever read Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Right? What is Psalm 119 all about? David writes of how great the Lord's word is, how he finds delight in the word of God, how he finds comfort in the word of God, how he can lead his life, live his life based on the guiding principles of the word of God. And so whenever you're, whatever situation you're dealing with, the word of God has an option for you. Maybe you're here today and, and you're, you're dealing with loss and, and you are here in, in a lament. Read the Psalms. There's plenty of lament psalms talk about how how dark everything seems, how horrible everything seems, but I trust the Lord, right? Or maybe you're here and everything's going well, and there's plenty of psalms that, that talk about how great the Lord is. Maybe you have a decision that you're trying to make, and you're not sure how to make this decision. What way should you go? The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It will guide you in following righteous principles to live your life, to make the decisions that you need to make. But you first have to find your pleasure, find your delight 
in the Word. But you can't just find the light. You, you can say, well, I get up every morning, I, I read uh, uh, an encouraging psalm, or I read an encouraging note. I, I get on Facebook, and I find all those encouraging uh, verses that people post with the lovely background pictures on it, right? I, I enjoy that. I find delight in that. But that's as far as you go. Are you really finding delight, finding pleasure in the word of the Lord if that's all that you're experiencing? No, the psalmist says, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it. What does it mean to meditate? In the Western world, we tend to have this idea that meditation means you're crossing your legs and, and holding your fingers like such and, and going hum, right? That, that's not what he means. The Lord wants us to meditate. The psalmist wants us to meditate on the word of the Lord by thinking about it deeply. Spending time wrestling with its contents. Spending time getting into some of those books that we don't want to get into like Ecclesiastes, or Song of Solomon, right? What is this talking about, God? I don't have a clue what this means. And spending time wrestling with that, spending time meditating, what, what does this mean? I've been listening to, um, to a series, an audio book online, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and they were talking about early science, the history of science, which is fascinating to me, but it, I've just now gotten into the middle period, uh, the, the middle ages period of, of science, and, and so they're talking about how all, theology drove science. It was always about finding out how God did things. They always said, this is the source. God did it. How did God do it? And so, for instance, Genesis chapter 1, they would write a commentary over Genesis chapter 1, and, and they would explore these options of, well, God created the world. Well, how did God create the world? How did God make it rain? And so a lot of our scientific knowledge and advancement came from people meditating on the word of God and trying to figure out how did God go about doing this? How often do we take time? How often do you take time to sit and to meditate on the word of God enough to be able to bring out a whole theory of how God created the earth, right? We don't do that, but the ancients did. That's what the psalmist tells us here. Meditate on the word of the Lord. But notice, he doesn't just say to do it in passing. He says to do it day and night. Do it at all times, whether it be in the morning, whether it be in the afternoon, whether it be at midnight, whether it be at 2 a.m. when you're up with the kids who won't go to sleep. Meditate on the word of the Lord. Think about it all the time. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses had commanded, was commanded, speaking to the, the children, the second generation of Israelites, who were preparing to go into the promised land. And he told them, remember this, the Lord your God, Yahweh, is one. And then he speaks of remembering his commands. Don't let them leave from your mouth. Place them as a sign on your doorpost. Place them at your gate. 
bind them as a sign on your forehead. He talks about all these physical actions that you can do to have the word of the Lord permeate your life. So to, to talk about it when you're going on the road and, and when you're at home and when you're sitting down and when you're standing up and when you're walking, all of these different, basically every situation in life, whatever you're doing, speak the word of the Lord. Remember the word of the Lord. So how do we do that? What, what's one way we can do that? Well, you can always do the physical route, right, by placing verses on your, on your mirror. So when you go out in the morning and you're brushing your teeth, you're looking at this verse, right? Or you can put it in on a, on a deal to hang from your, your uh, rearview mirror so that you see it as it's dangling and it's distracting you while you're driving. You, you at least have the word of God getting into you. You can put it at your office, put it above your computer screen, place it in your tractor up in the corner of the, of the window there. You can find ways to physically put the word around. But more importantly, if you're dwelling on it and you're meditating on it and you're delighting in the word of the Lord, then you're putting it in your heart. And that's what God wants for us is to have the word dwell within us so that we can have it constantly on our mind. We don't need all those other things because we have the word of the Lord in us. Right? And so spend time meditating on it day and night, continuing in the word. Okay? But what does verse 3, he goes on to say, the man who does these things, who, who delights in the word of the Lord and meditates on it day and night, he is like a tree who is planted beside streams of water that bears fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Right? If, so the man who rejects the ways of the world, the woman who rejects the ways of the world and finds pleasure instead in the word of the Lord will prosper. Notice some of these details, this beautiful picture of this tree planted beside the stream of water. Notice the position of the tree. Where is it? It's next to the stream of water. Now, remember Israel is, is kind of a unique land. There's little pockets around the water where life springs up, and then you get too far out from that, and you get into desert land. The source of life for Israel is around the water. It says, the man who delights in the word of the Lord, he is planted beside the source of life. What is the source of life? we delight in the word of the Lord, we're going to find in the word of the Lord that there's another person that's spoken to who's called the word. John writes in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were created through this word. He's speaking of Jesus. right? So the one who delights in the word of the Lord, who meditates on the word of the Lord, finds Christ. And when you find Christ and you believe in what he has 
taught, you believe in what he has done, what the Bible says that he has done, that he died on the cross to pay for the, the penalty for our sins, and that he was resurrected on the third day as a, as a proof as that the payment was complete. When you find that, you plant yourself in Christ, you're planted in a position next to the source of life. But notice that word planted. I've used that several times. It's what he says. The tree is planted. It's deeply rooted. Right? It's, it's not just seed that's been scattered out across the path. But it's been deeply planted in the earth. It's been deeply planted in that position. So when you delight in the word of the Lord, you find Christ Jesus, you plant yourself in him. And in the principles we find in scripture... And then when winds of doctrine come, whether it's false doctrine, winds of life's changes, life's challenges, when the storms come and the winds blow, the tree may move and its branches shake, but that tree is planted firmly in the ground. Firmly planted in the word of the Lord. Firmly planted in the source of life that is Christ Jesus. If you delight in the word of the Lord and find Christ Jesus, you plant yourself in him and in the doctrines that we find in scripture. You're not tossed about by life's circumstances. No, plant yourself next to him, in him, so that you receive the life from him. But notice that he goes on to say that this tree that's planted beside the streams of water, it bears fruit in its season. It bears fruit. Jesus talks several times about if you're in me, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to produce fruits. The fruit of the Spirit, but fruits of righteousness. You're going to go about and, and do things that, that lead to the expansion of my kingdom. You're going to provide the nourishment that people need. You can speak the word into the life of people who need it. It says, not only are you, you have the position, not only are you planted, but you, you have production. You're, you're useful for the kingdom. You're useful for me. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. A plan to go out to reach the lost. To tell people of his gospel of how Christ died to save us, and he was resurrected, and we'll be resurrected as well in new life. So you delight in the word, and you trust in the word, and you plant yourself in the word, and you become a productive member of God's society. It says the leaf does not wither. Right? There's a, a, a perpetuity. There, that's a hard word to say, by the way. Uh, it, it endures. The leaf does not wither. Uh, Chelsea's been talking for a while about wanting to uh, have a tree farm. Right? And so when we were driving up uh, this weekend, we drove a different way. I drove up through Pilot, um, Pilot Point, that, that area. And there was all this these tree farms. And so I'd say, Chelsea, look, there's a tree farm. And she would get all excited, and then she'd go, it's not, not a Christmas tree farm. 
That's what I want. I want a Christmas tree farm. I want those evergreens. They don't lose their leaves in the winter. They're always full. Well, this is a picture we have here of this evergreen tree. The one who delights in the word of the Lord has planted in it. He prospers. She prospers in like an evergreen tree, never loses. It stays endures. But notice that last line there. Whatever he does prospers. Now, we kind of have a, an issue here because you say, well, that sounds like prosperity gospel. You say, as long as I do what the Bible says, I'm going to have lots of money. I'm going to prosper. But we look at this with Western eyes. What does it mean to prosper? That's like saying, how do you define success? Well, if we define success by money, we're going to find that this does not ring true. Because just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to become financially wealthy. Just because you give to the church doesn't mean that God's going to bless you with a million dollars. But he says you will prosper. What does that mean? Well, if you understand that you've planted yourself in the word of God, you're delighting in it, you found in it the person of Christ Jesus, and you have placed your faith and trust in him, Scripture tells us that we have an inheritance from God, that Christ has provided for us an inheritance that is eternal, that he has provided for us eternal life with God. He's restored the relationship that was broken by our sin against God, the sin that Adam and Eve began in the Garden of Eden, the sin that each and every one of us has that we deal with, the, not only the action of sin, but the, the, the personality of sin, the nature of sin that's within us, Christ died to pay the penalty for that, freeing us, taking upon himself all of our sin, and giving us instead his righteousness. So we, shall we prosper? Not in financial means, not in worldly means, but we will prosper in godly means. And we inherit eternal life with the Creator. So we have presented to us the path of righteousness, but what happens if you reject that? What if you choose to go to another path? What if you choose the path of the wicked? Well, the psalmist has a word for us there, too. He says, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. And the wicked will not survive the judgment, and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Notice the path of the wicked. He says, Instead of being like a tree that's planted by the water, they're like chaff. 